0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them.
1: Welcome to Phoenix Business Radio X. I'm your host, Karen Nowicki, and I'd like to welcome you to AZ Techcast sponsored by the Arizona Technology Council. AZ Techcast is dedicated to covering innovation and technology in Arizona and beyond. Broadcasted monthly, AZ Techcast invites leading experts to have real conversations about what's happening in the tech sector across the state of Arizona, from regional news to innovative startups, Companies and emerging technologies, AZ TechCast covers the critical issues and economic trends propelling the state's growing tech ecosystem. And I'd like to thank Arizona Commerce Authority, AZ TechCast 2020 Innovation Sponsor. The Arizona Commerce Authority is the state's leading economic development organization with a streamlined mission to grow and strengthen Arizona's economy. The Commerce Authority uses a three pronged approach to advance the overall economy recruit, grow, and create. Recruiting out-of-state companies to expand their operations in Arizona, working with existing companies to grow their business in Arizona and beyond, and of course, partnering with entrepreneurs and companies to create new jobs and businesses in targeted industries. I'd also like to thank our 2020 Tech Advocate Sponsor, JDH Insights. A leader in coaching and executive development, JDH Insights is committed to helping organizations cultivate and leverage their most important and complex asset, the humans. JDH Insights uses a holistic approach to align people with the organization's mission vision, culture, and performance objectives to create engagement and achieve results. Please visit jdhinsights.com to enhance leadership and improve team dynamics to take your business to the next level. And with that, I want to give a warm welcome to today's distinguished panel. We have Joe Snell, President and CEO of Sun Corridor Incorporated, Kevin Burke, Economic Initiatives Deputy Director at the City of Tucson, and Steve Zylstra, President and CEO of the Arizona Technology Council. Welcome, gentlemen.
2: Thank
0: you.
1: Thanks, Karen. You bet. Glad to be here. So happy to have you here. We've got a really wonderful conversation for today, and during today's TechCast... These exemplary economic development leaders will discuss Tucson's economic vitality, the initiatives propelling this Southern Arizona city forward, the exciting industries and startup ventures that are fueling Arizona's economy, job growth in key sectors, and projected economic growth in the next five to 10 years. It's a tall order, but I think we can manage a good portion of that. Very excited to have today's conversation with all three of you. And on that note, I'd love to start with With uh, a question, and then we'll just take it from there. Tucson was very recently named as one of the top 10 cities in the US, best positioned to recover from the pandemic. What were the primary factors in this ranking? Who can get us started off with that response?
0: Karen, I can jump in on that. Thank Um, you, Joe. Yeah, we've seen a lot of rankings come out in the last uh, really the last six months between Moody's, Yahoo, uh, the Site Selector Guild, and we can go on where they're, they're naming uh, uh, Tucson as is a, is a top 10 city post-pandemic. And I can tell you that, that uh, you know, rankings are rankings and, and they only mean so much, but we've taken a serious look at that and really believe that if we go out and earn that, we can, we can definitely be one of those top 10 cities. We've actually taken some time to break down why they're giving us those rankings. And, and some of that has to do with the success we had going into the... Uh, Uh, into the pandemic with uh, a a lot of movement of companies in the last three years coming into the market like Caterpillar, Raytheon choosing Tucson for its uh, uh, headquarters on the missile business, Uh, you know, bear companies, like we could go on and on, but uh, quite a few companies doing that. So we knew there was a lot of momentum going in to the pandemic. And then we looked at what criteria were they all looking at? And, and we realized that the world will go back to somewhat normal when we can get a vaccine, but it's never going to go back the same. And as we broke that down, we realized that uh, what they were looking at is cities that, that uh, have lack of density, smaller population centers, mid-sized cities, half a million to a million and a half, were going to be really good, you know, uh, non-coastal cities where we're not getting hit with natural disasters. And, and Tucson fits that bill very well. You know, as my nephew said to me who lives downtown L.A., he says, if we're going to be locked down like this or, or start to work, you know, where I'm not in the office uh, five days a week. I've got to rethink and get, uh, I'm spending $2,000 for a small box. I got to go somewhere uh, uh, for less money for a box to live in and, and a little bigger box. And so cost favorable cities like Phoenix and Tucson uh, uh, put us in a, in a really good position. Uh, reshoring and nearshoring has become of greater importance uh, and will be post-pandemic. You know, we see supply chain interruptions, uh, which are great concern for companies right now. The trade war with China is is core, um, really compounding worries over supply chain. So I think many are going to look for low-cost centers, plenty of room to grow, good in-migration and a labor force they can draw on. And I think uh, Tucson's well positioned for that. Uh, communities with strong university research presence uh, is ranking very high, and we know we have uh, And then companies with with good spec and thus healthy industrial spec space like Phoenix and Tucson come into play. And then lastly, when we really broke it down, what they were looking for is communities that can adapt and move quickly in areas such as workforce training. How do we get all these uh, displaced workers that have been impacted by the COVID crisis, get them retrained uh, for, for a new economy? So we actually think we're in a great position for that, and we've initiated uh, a ton of strategies around that because you know we realize we got to earn it, but we're going to go full speed ahead.
2: I'd like to pile on, uh, Karen. Uh, just a couple of things to emphasize. Uh, you may recall we had three economists on TechCast uh, maybe four or five months ago, and um, all of them basically agreed with what Joe said about. Arizona's economy, as well as our two major cities, that they were so well positioned when we went into COVID that will be the cities and the state uh, the first to come out of this uh, economic doldrums that uh, we've been experiencing the last few months. Uh, The East and the Midwest won't fare nearly as well uh, as the West in general, but especially uh, Arizona. And then um, people are beginning to see already people fleeing highly dense cities, uh, just the point that that Joe was making. So, again, Arizona will be a significant beneficiary of that because of our lack of density. So, very good points, Joe.
1: Let's have, if you would, Joe, since uh, you kicked it up for us, tell us a little You're bit. You're muted, of... Karen. Oh, sorry. Really? Can you hear me now? You're muted. That's strange. Hang on. There we go. There we go. Wow, that wasn't on my end, but hey, okay. <laughs> I don't know what I did there. Thank you for for letting me know. You can see my mouth moving on the video. Yes. Uh, jo- uh, Joe, if you would tell us a little bit about Sun Corridor for our listeners who are not familiar, and then we'll ask Kevin to introduce himself and, of course, his role with the City of Tucson.
0: Sure, uh, Sun Corridor. We are Inc. We are a regional economic development group. We really service a a service area loosely from uh, south of Phoenix to to, uh, really to the Mexican border, four or five counties surrounding us. We are driven by a 72-member board of directors, which includes academics, university presidents, both at ASU, U of A, a lot of leading organizations like Arizona Tech Council and others, all the mayors from, the, from cities throughout the region, and then the bulk uh, from private sector CEOs. Interestingly, about 10% of our board are Phoenicians because Tucson and Phoenix are so interconnected. And what happens in Phoenix, I always used to joke when, when Phoenix gets uh, uh, heartburn, Tucson can have a heart attack. So it's very important for us to be lined what's going on in, in the Phoenix market. So uh, we're a large organization uh, with a big voice. Uh, we really have a very narrow mission, and that is to facilitate Uh, wealth creation through the recruitment and expansion of primary industries.
1: Important work. Thank you. Kevin, tell us a little bit about you and and your role with the City of Tucson.
3: Very good. Thanks. So as Joe stated, Sun Corridor is the super regional entity responsible for economic development. And of course, we're the city at the center of that. So the City of Tucson and our office is the Office of Economic Initiatives, We're a small team. We're actually within the office of the city manager. And so our role is uh, really at the direction of the mayor and council and the city manager to create within our organization a full-service economic development team. That's the process that we've been engaged in since uh, Barbara Coffey and I started just a little over a year ago. Uh, What we want to become for the city is the one-stop shop both uh, working with our regional partners like Sun Corridor on the broader marketing and attraction programs, and then also having a focus on what we're going to talk about today, the entrepreneurial ecosystem, and working to keep, in, um, keep our existing businesses and help them grow and expand. So that's the role that we see for ourselves uh, within, obviously, the city of Tucson, but then how the city of Tucson contributes to the growth and success of the region
1: overall. Excellent. And Steve, for our listeners who aren't familiar with Arizona Tech Council, I don't typically do this, but I would love to have you briefly share about your role, of course, and the importance of Arizona Technology Council as well, please.
2: Certainly. Well, the Tech Council is a statewide uh, technology-focused trade association. Uh, We have offices in both uh, Phoenix and Tucson. We have around 800 uh, member companies. We do uh, public policy advocacy on behalf of the tech sector Up until COVID, we did about 160 physical events a year. I think we've done about 65 virtual ones in the last four or five months. We also negotiate lower cost products and services for our members. We have a association health plan. We have a multiple employer 401k program. Uh, And we have a number of publications, including um, tracking the Arizona technology industry ecosystem. Uh, We do a quarterly update on a variety of metrics defining the tech industry in Arizona. So full-service trade association for tech companies.
1: I think it's the first time I've heard you mention the the term trade association. I mean, using the word term trade, uh, maybe I just haven't heard that before, but that really kind of shapes it up for me to get a feel for all the things that you do. Excellent. Well, let's get into the meat of the conversation, kind of as uh, Kevin mentioned as well. Uh, Joe, if we can come back to you uh, to get it kicked off, what strategies can organizations and other local businesses and industry leaders employ to respond and move past COVID quickly?
0: Oh, well, you didn't give me an easy one to start with. <laughs> um, I guess jump into it this way. Tucson has strived over the last 15 years, and, and really up until a, a few years ago, we probably didn't hit the mark as well as we could to be, to be a success in, in the Southwest and economic development. I think it applies pre-COVID, but, but more importantly, post-COVID. A couple of things that we've learned along the way, and that is regionally, we have to have a very strong plan. Which we do. We have something called the economic blueprint, which has the industries that we're going to win in, and, and uh, identifies all the partners we need to work uh, with, like like the tech council and others to, to win. Uh, so we have a strong plan, uh, but most importantly, we we have a change uh, in, in attitude down here, maybe than, than what existed 30 years ago or even 15 years ago. And that attitude is is uh, we're going to be hyper aggressive, uh, and we're going to you know, not take no for an answer. And I think that's panned out for us going into the, re- into the, the recession caused by COVID. But more importantly, we need to apply those three things going out of uh, the, when we do get back to somewhat normal and be very adaptable. So I can tell you uh, how can businesses uh, participate, get involved in all these organizations. Let's start thinking positive that we can get where Steve said we can get and that be a, a leader, in economic development in the country. And I think that the only thing stopping us will be ourselves. We don't need to have you know silly policies that ruin that. And we need to have good policies that support it. So there's no magic bullet to this in my mind, Aaron. It's just simply uh, being aggressive, having a good plan and um, getting hyper-competitive. And I think we're in a great position to do that.
1: Agreed. Kevin or Steven, anything to add to that?
3: Sure, I'll jump in. From our perspective, you know, maybe two ways of looking at this: the city wants to do everything we can to support our existing business community, who you know is having a heck of a time trying to stay open, right? And from our perspective, we can't provide direct financial support as much as we would love to. Um, what we can do is get out of their way a lot of times, mm-hmm. and so what we're trying to do is play a facilitating role, make connections, make sure that the businesses who reach out to us can access the resources that they need, whether that's understanding what the health and safety guidelines are from the CDC and from Pima County Health Department, uh, or whether that's, you know, something like getting a temporary use permit so that they can expand their outdoor seating and stay open, keep generating some revenue while this is continuing. So that's a sort of near-term focus for us. I would say over the longer term, we're really interested in how businesses are going to react and change. We're all familiar with some basic examples from our day-to-day lives, like up until a couple of months ago, who had ever got curbside delivery you know, at the grocery store, right? And some of these changes are in all likelihood going to be permanent. So looking forward, what changes are we going to need to make to codes, to say you know, zoning language, things like that to facilitate it? Right. To make sure that businesses can continue to grow and do the things that are necessary to protect public health and safety, which is in the end what the city's here to do. Right. And I guess, um, you know, we've seen tragically massive number of small business failures over the last couple of months. I mean, I've seen statistics upwards of 30 percent and a huge number of those businesses are simply not coming back. But perhaps an optimistic way of looking at that is that what we're going to be primed for is a massive wave of new business formation in the wake of this pandemic. And so, again, the city plays a role there, right? We want to be a one stop shop in the city's Office of Economic Initiatives to help guide people on that path towards creating their new dream.
2: I'd like to say that I think it's been uh, Tucson and Southern Arizona's focus on growing an innovation economy that is going to help them come out of this uh, faster than a lot of places in the country and I think what we found um, during COVID is that the the tech sector especially is very resilient. Uh, As we know uh, manufacturers were deemed um, essential industries so manufacturing really didn't shut down. Technology-based companies, IT companies and that type were able to pivot very quickly because of the uh, IT capabilities they had. So as a result of that, really the tech sector, the innovation sector, whatever you wanna call it, is really gonna pull us out of this and has continued to be, as I said, resilient uh, during COVID. And uh, I think there's really three really important components to that. Mm -hmm. One is um, what Joe focuses on, Principally, and that's uh, business attraction, but that's not all that he does. Uh, also, all the work the city has done and uh, entities like Startup Tucson and growing a, a vibrant entrepreneurial uh, economy there uh, is going to lead to all that business creation that uh, Kevin referred to. And then uh, the point that Kevin made, but Sun Corridor is all about this too, Supporting existing businesses uh, and their success, and making sure that regulatory environment is uh, what it needs to be, and staying out of the way of uh, of business. So I think it's a combination of all those things that uh, will help Tucson pull out of this early. We hope so.
1: And and I think as you all mentioned, we're positioned very well to do that. Let's talk a little bit about innovation, if we could. Uh, Kevin, if you can share, what are some of the initiatives and programs that you guys are um, putting in place or have in place to support Mm -hmm. innovation?
3: Well, Steve mentioned a key group, Startup Tucson. And so I want to make sure that we talk about them and and give them some credit. Um, But I'll start with one of the programs that the city has put in place to facilitate groups like Startup Tucson. Uh, The mayor and council have made a biannual allocation of about $600,000 that our office Gives out in the form of workforce and economic development grants, primarily to nonprofit organizations, but nonprofit organizations that are engaged in essentially some facet of our entrepreneurial ecosystem or workforce training and development. And so we just in the last month finished our competitive uh, RFP process and we've entered into contracts now with uh, 25 different organizations who are providing programming. Around workforce primarily, uh, we have also used some of that money to sponsor some of our major local events. Uh, One of the groups, though, was Startup Tucson. And this is a group that has really positioned itself to be the hub of the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Tucson. So we try to provide them with some seed funding to continue their programming and we work them really actively. Uh, another group that I would like to point out is Community Investment Corporation. They're a nonprofit that provides pathways uh, to finance for small businesses. So like micro lending programs, they've been incredibly creative and they work with a segment of the community that you know doesn't have traditionally uh, a lot of access to, to sources of capital. And so for our community, that's really important, right? To help these small businesses grow and get a toehold. Uh, we provide funding on an annual basis to groups like JobPath. JobPath does incredible work in workforce development. That's a huge um, benefit for our community and other groups like the YWCA, the Women's Business Center, that do some similar work in that vein. Um, so that's one of the, the key approaches that we've taken. And, you know, when we take that small amount of City investment, right? It's just six hundred thousand dollars, after all. But we're able to make really key investments with it, and those groups do a lot more than the city organization could do with a similar amount of funding.
2: One of the things I would say is that I've been going uh, back and forth to Tucson since about nineteen eighty four. Um, started a precursor to the Tech Council in nineteen eighty five, and we would do events in both cities. And um, the there's always been a lot of innovation uh, in Tucson, but for a very, very long time, it was sort of Tucson's best kept secret. And uh, it's really only been in the last five years or so that um, Tucson is getting the attention uh, it's due uh, around its innovation-based economy. And that's in large part due to the economic development organizations there that are telling the story. And um, it's (laughs) it's critical in whether you're doing uh, attraction or trying to induce creating new companies that um, you have an ecosystem, an environment that is really conducive to uh, allow innovators to either develop their technology or grow their company or both. And uh, I think Tucson is in a good position with regard to that.
0: Now, I would just echo on what both Kevin and Steve said, and I think they make great points. The only thing I would add is uh, we've made a conscious effort uh, to build on something Steve just said, to um, to really align our pro- program so that we have a single voice that we're we're marching in unison. So we launched a few years ago, and we've actually doubled down on it at Sun Corridor this year uh, of a, na- a really big push in national market telling this story. Frankly, Phoenix did a great job of this in the early '90s, and it really positioned Phoenix as a as a national player. I can tell you personally, I was in Denver, but in their economic development, I saw Phoenix come out of nowhere. So You know, at the end of the day, that's what we're engaged in now. And we know it takes enormous amount of money. That's why this diversity of working together is very important because it's not one uh, industry group or one sector of the economy can fund it all. So working together, it also allows us to hold each other accountable Mm -hmm. so that we don't cowboy go on, you know, be cowboys and go out and try to do something on our own when we can leverage and, and work together. So I think Steve brings up a good point. The other two things I would add to Kevin's point, and he's right. There's a lot of great organizations. A couple I would mention is we've really spent a lot of time, if looking at growth capital, either at the early stage or the mezzanine level. You know, really all ends of the spectrum the last few years. But we have added uh, two local venture capital groups in the last three years to to look at funding these great ideas, and then uh, the Desert Angels, one of uh, always consistently ranked one of the most powerful uh effective uh angel capital uh networks in the country so you add the the, the capital behind all the uh, other assistance new incubators in oro valley i mean a lot going on i think important is we're all working together and pushing that voice out there on mm-hmm.
2: i i'd like to um just say that uh i couldn't agree more about desert angels uh they're annually ranked one of the top 10 uh angel groups in the nation in terms of the amount that they invest They've been very effective. They have a, a new leader in Joanne McMasters, and she's doing a really good job. Curtis Dunn Dun deserves a lot of credit for really building that organization over a long period of time. And um, the, the new venture funds are critical to funding these early-stage companies. One of the entities we haven't talked about yet, which is critical to all of this, and probably more so than ASU is in Phoenix, and that's the U of A. Because a lot of these, uh, great ideas, uh, really come from academe. They start in academe and, uh, then either they're licensed out, uh, of the university, matched with capital, or in some, uh, on some occasions, uh, faculty members, uh, spin these companies out. Um, it's been some really good examples in the optics and photonics industry, uh, and the healthcare industry. And uh, so there is a, a really good connection between the entrepreneurial community in Tucson and the university.
1: And community colleges, they play a role here as well in innovation and workforce readiness?
2: They do. Uh, we are uh, we have a very close relationship with Pima Community College. Yes. And, uh, you know, one area that they're really uh, exceptional at is workforce development. Okay. It's an area where they are really shining, and they have a, a, a relatively new chancellor. I guess it's not that new anymore, but he really has turned that organization around, and uh, I can't say enough about them. We collaborate with them often, and uh, they do a great job. I'm sure Joe and Kevin have a close relationship as well.
0: Well, I can, I can say that the community college, you know, the university, let's be honest, that's the engine that's driving innovation in, in a market like this. Yes. Uh, boy, that's the that's the brain and we're all the limbs that are working around it. But the community college is, uh, is critical. And Dr. Lee Lambert that does run that uh, comes out of Seattle and he's a dynamo. I mean, he's brought to this organization. I can tell you in the last 60, 70 companies that have come in here, if it wasn't for... The community college and his creativity for example that the uh, the aviation uh school they've got going on there is is world class uh without those kind of programs his leadership we would be no one so uh i'll just shout give him a shout out so. yeah but that's what i mean yeah. everybody working together
1: uh, i love yeah, the community college
3: is a great partner and that's to your point joe You know, they're never more than a phone call away. And when we're talking with a business and the business, you know, tells us that they're going to have some workforce needs, we call them up and, you know, they can create a new program. Uh, one of the great things that they've been working on was touched on. They call the centers of excellence. And so they're on a massive building binge right now. They're constructing new facilities, both at their main campus downtown and then also, um, down near the airport and Davis Monthan Air Force Base. So those centers of excellence in automotive technologies and aeronautics and in applied technology as well an incredible asset to have in the community.
1: It's a question I've never thought to ask before around uh, workforce readiness as it relates to our state universities and our community colleges. Um, I know we've had conversations not only on the AZ TechCast before, but other shows that we host around uh, educating these great leaders and, and these folks in tech, and then they go find jobs elsewhere, right? That's what we're all trying to tra- talk about. Bring mm-hmm. in the companies here, keep them here. Do do we know numbers? uh in comparison between universities and those folks, those graduates and postgraduates staying here and working in Arizona businesses compared to community colleges, I'm guessing that that more community community college graduates stay here. But I I don't know if I'm making that up.
2: You know, we did a study; uh, it's ten years old now, but probably the things that it taught us um, haven't changed. Um, our universities, we looked ten years back at all STEM graduates from all three universities. And what we found is that about 66 to 67% of all STEM graduates over a 10 year period graduated from ASU stayed in Arizona. It was a little less for U of A and a little less again for NAU, which you would (laughs) expect. But those were astonishingly high numbers. I think we so did too. not we did not look at uh, community colleges, however, so I don't have any any data on that. But uh, you know we we all worry about brain drain and uh, you know educating people and then losing them to some other state. Um, and you know some of that you can never prevent, right? The, those those two magnets on the coast, uh, you know, San Francisco, San Jose, and New York and Boston. Uh, you know, attract young talent, right? It's an exciting opportunity, but often they come back here when they're ready to raise their family and settle down a little bit. But uh, I think we do better than what people think.
0: Yeah, you know, Steve, I think that's a, a great point, and uh, you know, we've probably all experienced. I grew up in, in, in the Denver area, and I couldn't wait to get out of Colorado, you know, mm-hmm. and, and head for the coast where it was exciting. And and the reality is, you get a little older. Um, get married, maybe, you know, start to have a family. And, you know, it's my nephew's thing. I said, at the beginning of the podcast, this is ridiculous how expensive it is. And maybe there's another place. And so maybe we lose a few in the front end, but we get them back at 30 and let somebody else train them. I'm in for that.
3: So,
1: uh... <laughs> <laughs> for sure. That's right.
3: And, you know, one of the things, and perhaps we we're going to talk about this, but post COVID, we have this opportunity where, There's a greater reliance or emphasis on working remotely and those professionals are not going to be tethered to a location anymore. So for those people who went to the U of A, maybe they graduated five, 10 years ago, they've been working somewhere and they're thinking to themselves, you know, why am I paying $3,500 a month to live in this shoebox? Right. Or you can go back to Tucson and uh, I think we're ready to capitalize on some of those trends.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit more. What, uh, from your perspectives, are the short-term and long-term strategies that are attracting new businesses in this you know, post-COVID world as, as we prepare for that?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, maybe I can talk about some of the fundamentals and then uh, these guys can talk about some of the specifics. Um, you know, we have, and and both of them have referred to this um A a low cost environment in Arizona compared to a lot of other places, affordable housing, uh, relatively low taxes, um, except for this year with the 60 days of 110 degrees, great weather to attract people, uh, a lack of the kind of density that people are now uh, wondering whether it's appropriate or not. So we have uh, all of these sort of fundamentals that are very attractive. For both companies to move operations here, and for individuals to come and live, work, and play here. So I think you know you start with with those key issues, and then both of these guys have strategies to leverage that.
0: I think you, you said it well, Steve. And and uh, the only thing I correct you on it's been not been a, that many days, one hundred and ten down here. <laughs> That's fair. That's true. <laughs> it's a bit warm here, but uh, no, I think that uh, you own that up there. Um, yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, but the reality is you said it all, and, and I said it at the beginning of the podcast mm-hmm. why I think we're well positioned to, to win so uh, but I would say this, you know we remember that labor drives all market decisions, and the, the thing that companies, whether they're existing companies are uh, or companies moving in from the outside, regardless of uh, whether they're at Tucson, Phoenix, Seattle, uh, the question comes is, can I is there talent in the market to fill the jobs I need and and secondly, and I attract that talent into the, into the market. So we're we're spending a lot of our time uh, on national marketing with a couple of communication points. One, we have a lot of in migration into Tucson from from uh, outside. Uh, you know, you wouldn't want to be in the Midwest where you have out migration. It's good to be in Arizona where people want to move. In. Mm-hmm. And so we we talk about that all the time. We're, as Steve said, we we're messaging the, the innovation here, the low cost center, something Kevin didn't understand, the stability politically. We're not. You know, our politicians are, are, are business friendly. And if they're not, me mean, Steve, make sure they are. Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking because they are, but that we're business friendly. And I think you, you combine that, it's really not the time to go dark for us. So we are spending a lot of time uh, screaming that Arizona, in particular Tucson, is the place to be post COVID. And that, that means a lot of uh, um, sometimes through Zoom right now. We're doing daily contacts with the influencers, the site selectors that make these decisions, putting all these executives in front of them. I joke, you know, we do five of these podcasts a day. We're getting good at them, I guess, all of us, but it's the way we communicate. So just being aggressive and on message over, 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 So we've got a lot
3: to sell. I'd like to point out two specific programs, initiatives that the city of Tucson is working on, one internal and one external focused. The city did receive a a generous allocation of CARES funding a few months ago, and the council has laid out a strategic plan for how we can allocate those dollars. At a very recent council meeting, the city council, through our IT department, allocated several million dollars. I don't want to misquote it. I think it was about $4.4 for Wi-Fi access points throughout some of the underserved portions of the community. And so what we want to do is overall Tucson has very good broadband connectivity but we have spots where that's not adequate right and so we want to have that coverage be as great as possible that's one of the things that attracts people here and you know for the existing community allows them to take advantage of the opportunities that come with having that internet connectivity On an external focus, we're working with regional partners, and this is really spearheaded by the group we mentioned before, Startup Tucson, on a remote Tucson initiative. And the remote Tucson initiative is, in essence, a marketing campaign, but to deliberately try to seek out and attract cohorts of individuals who can work from anywhere, and we want them to choose Tucson. We're going to work with them, and we're going to incentivize them to do so. Very cool.
0: Yeah. If I could add one more thing, you kind of got me thinking about something... Sun Corridor, had, uh, we partnered with the Tucson Airport uh, a couple of years ago to help develop a, a long, long-term plan for that airport. A lot of people don't understand that uh, the airport is, is a top ten airport in LAMPO. So we have some assets out there, and we recognize that moving forward, that you know what drove companies for a long time was major air hubs, uh, Chicago, you know, others, and and uh, because everybody was flying, and, and I think Kevin really got me thinking about. This. Well, the the reality is, I I think we're going to post-COVID come back where people will be flying more, but I don't know if we're ever going to get back to the days uh, maybe where we were. I can tell you we're serving a lot of local companies and companies across the country, and what we're hearing is they're going to slash those travel budgets by about 30% because we all woke up to Zoom, and and I know I'm I'm not going to travel as much because I don't need to. So it it behooves us to start looking at assets like the airport, the Tucson airport, to say, hey, if we have all that land, can we do more than just be a place where planes take off and leave? And we think the answer is yes. So a lot of infrastructure discussions around.
1: Joe, would you also tell us about Corridor's economic blueprint?
0: Sure. Um, our blueprint, uh, you know, fancy term for a strategic plan, really goes back to when this organization was founded in 2004. Frankly, um, you know, I think one of the things we struggled with previous to Sun Corridor's existence is we didn't have a plan. We sort of, the, the plan was, hey, whoever comes calling, we're going to respond and, and work with them. And, and that's, not, that's not very true. So we ended up involving you know, 6,000 people, uh, um, really talking about what drives us, uh, very aspirational in the plan, what's the vision for this community. Uh, We hired Michael Porter out of Harvard to to identify which industries uh, we should focus on. And the reason for that is I needed to know where to spend the money when I got it. You know, the reality is there's going to be some industries we excel well with and some we don't. And, uh, for example, I don't think anybody recognized locally uh, 15 years ago that Tucson has the fifth highest concentration of defense workers in the country. And so when you ask what we focus on, and it's not the only thing, but aerospace and defense is a big one for us. It's a big one in Arizona, but uh, and that's panned out for us with over 200 aerospace and defense companies uh, establishing their presence here in the last 15 years. Uh, biotech, uh, especially in the diagnostics area, companies like Roche, Sanofi, and then a lot of uh, um, startups like Accelerate, uh, Bear coming in here. So uh, I could go on and on. Uh, mining, uh, natural resources, Caterpillar choosing Tucson for its uh, mining headquarters a couple of years ago. All of those plan was to, to give us a little bit of an indicator of what to focus on. So we knew mining. was So it's a plan that we follow. Uh, I can tell you that most of the corporations around here use it as a guide for investment in nonprofits. Mm-hmm. So they'll come back to a lot of economic development group, chambers of commerce, and say, if you can't fit in this blueprint, you're not going to fund you. So it's just a way to help guide us and um, uh, prioritize what's important. I'll, the last thing I'll say with that plan is we've updated it several times, make sure it's valid. Um, you know, the challenge with those plans is the strategies are usually antiquated the moment it goes into print. So we, we need to be adaptive and change the strategies all the time. But uh, the fundamentals of a framework and knowing uh, what your strengths and weaknesses are, that never changes.
1: Thank you. Uh, Kevin and, and really everybody how can we best support Tucson's growth?
3: By we, you mean Phoenix? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: well, we, sure. By Metro Phoenix and the businesses, right? This is Business Radio X. Uh, and sure. so our, our listeners are professionals and business owners. And uh, yeah, what what is the the thing that we can do to best support Tucson and its growth and, and the, the initiatives that y'all have in place?
2: I, I can uh, speak to that a bit. So, um you know, one of the issues, um, or one of the things that I attempt to do, is um, I'm in Phoenix, and of course, I have an office in Tucson. But um, a lot of discussions that occur in uh, in Phoenix that have statewide impact, people in Phoenix don't necessarily to think to to include Tucson. Tucson has sort of the opposite situation, right? You know, they feel that. Phoenix gets all the attention and, and uh, they don't get the attention they deserve. And I think, you know, there's there's truth in both of those. And uh, so I, I'm always working to try and make sure people include Tucson in these important discussions that we have uh, around all kinds of issues, whether they be political, legislative, cultural, uh, whatever they might be, uh, because... You know, at some point in time, this vision of the Sun Corridor is going to come together, and that is Phoenix and Tucson are going to be essentially one, right? Mm-hmm. We're beginning to fill in the gap uh, now with companies like Nikola and, and Lucid. And um, so as as dependent as we are on each other, I think it's going to become more so uh, as time goes on. And uh, those that in Phoenix that are ignoring Tucson won't be able to do
3: that anymore. Thank you, Steve. I think that's very well said. And folks can remember, there are a million people in the in the Tucson metropolitan area. The success of Tucson and Pima County is the success of the state of Arizona as a whole.
1: Are there any misconceptions around? Oh, Joe, go ahead.
0: Well, I, I just echo it. I, I think that Steve, I think Kevin both said it well. You know, the, the, the reality is. And I guess for those of us that come from the outside, uh, it, as Steve said, you can sense a little of this rivalry or maybe ignoring from Phoenix and a rivalry from Tucson. And, and you know, rivalries occur on the, the gridiron and on the basketball. We only win when we take our best minds and put them at the table and figure out what's the problem. So parochialism doesn't work. So at the end of the day, somebody asked me, why is got such, such a big board. Well, because it's hard stuff, and we need people like Steve Zolkstra and others, and, and Sandra Watson, and uh, Michael Crow, and Bobby Robbins, and Raheena Romero, and Chuck Buckleberry to figure this out. Because one entity is not going to get it done. So, if you ask me the question, I, I think we need to work together even more, Phoenix and Tucson. And I and Steve knows Steve's down here. It's the reason he's on my board. I'm up at Phoenix all the time, and we need to, to work together and have a unified voice. So that we're selling Arizona, let us compete for a specific site, whether it's Mesa, Tucson, Tempe. After that, but let's get let's get companies interested in Arizona. So, and when we have bad policies, we need, we're, we're formidable if we come at it statewide. We've got to get rid of that kind of stuff, or a good policy we support it. So, I I'm a big believer in regions.
1: Yeah, are there other misconceptions, Steve. You kind of threw out a, a, a few a little bit around Tucson, what other misconceptions might be, uh, you know, playing into the current climate and either lack of interest in coming here or, or keeping this, you know, maybe um, division's a strong word, but between Metro mm-hmm. Phoenix and Tucson, but are there other things that are play here that that are just false narratives?
3: So we have a really strong workforce down here and we also have a really strong business community. And I think that that perhaps is a misconception about Tucson. There is perhaps not a recognition of the major employers that we have in our metropolitan area. You know, we've mentioned a few of them today, uh, Raytheon obviously being the largest private sector employer here, but thousands of other companies employing hundreds of people across all fields, right? And high-tech fields in optics, uh, in healthcare and medicine. And so that's a real strength for us that I would say is, is perhaps not recognized to the degree that it should be.
2: Yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, there's, there's, I used to be in Pittsburgh and people have a, a mindset about Pittsburgh that's like a hundred years old, right? That there are furnaces with, uh, uh, Bessemer furnaces spitting out, uh, smoke. I think there's some of that with Tucson, right? That it's cow town. And it couldn't be any farther from the truth, right? Uh, the points that Kevin just made—the sophistication of the technology that occurs in Tucson is absolutely mind-boggling. I mean, you know, right now there, uh, uh, the uh, there's a um, satellite that uh, is visiting a asteroid that's going to take samples back to to Earth, and that was all developed and has been run. Uh, out of Tucson, uh, the the Phoenix rover on Mars, uh, same thing. The uh, astronomy going on in the mountains around uh, Tucson is, you know, world class. So um, there's so many different areas that Tucson is the best in the world. I mean, we talked about optics and photonics. We have 75 members in that space uh, just in Tucson the largest concentration of those kinds of companies uh, in the world. A lot of that has to do with uh, the number one optical sciences program in the world at uh, at U of A. So uh, it's not a cow town. They do have a rodeo, and they're well known for the gym show, but it's a very sophisticated place. And Raytheon, believe it or not, virtually every missile that is in the U.S. inventory today is made by Raytheon in Tucson. It's a missile systems operation down there. And, uh, you know, they're they growing. Uh, they're continuing to grow. And uh, uh, it's its really incredible. And
0: you know, I think you bring up a, a great point. And I think sometimes it's we in Arizona, and people that have been around here a long, long time, we have to catch up. Our perception of what Tucson or Phoenix is has to catch up with what outsiders do And uh, I will tell you that some of these old rivalries and the perception of Tucson being this sleepy, small college town, um, that's dying off. And that might even been a national perception, but, but it's not anymore. We launched a perception study when we first uh, launched this organization. And we asked what's your perception Mm of, of Tucson as a national player. And I can tell you a few years ago, it was what you thought, small, in Phoenix's shadow, uh, don't know much about it, probably more. Right. We've just launched that same perception study with influencers, and, and, and they're seeing what's going on with these headquarters moving in. And they're, they're thinking pretty highly on uh, uh, Tucson. You know, they've always thought highly of Phoenix, but they're thinking highly of Tucson now. It's like it's catching up a little bit. It's never going to be Phoenix, but it's catching up, and we've got some high marks. Now it's probably time that locally we all talk a little bit. Um, <laughs> And I think that it's, it's all good
1: news for him. As you're chatting, I have this vision of what I see um, just in the circles that I run around with socially, this big competition, right, between ASU and U of A as it relates to the football program, right? And and I can't help but as we're talking on a very serious level, how much sometimes that, that voice, that conversation kind of dissipates out into how we continue to think that we're separate over, again, football uh, teams. So...
3: I think we should follow the university's lead. I'm a native Arizonan, and I can remember, I mean, since the time I was a child, we don't even talk about the other university, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm talking about the University of Arizona is the only university and it's the only game in town. But the universities don't look at it that way anymore. The amount of collaboration between all three of the major universities in the system over the past you know, decade is incredible. And it wasn't something that happened before. Right. And we can emulate that. We can take that lesson and move the entire state forward.
2: I think that has a lot to do with the current leadership, uh, at the universities too. We had all three presidents, uh, on three months or four months ago. And that camaraderie between them was absolutely evident
1: it Was in, in,
2: in that discussion. And, uh, you know, you've got three incredibly bright and capable people now running these uh, three institutions and understand the importance of collaboration and cooperation. And, uh, you know, that it did, uh, I, I can state for a fact that uh, that rivalry on the football field did eke into other programs, you know, whether uh, a, a faculty member at U of a was going to work with an ASU faculty member on this particular initiative There was a lack of trust uh, a lot of that has changed uh, because of le- the leadership
0: well let's be honest Arizona as a state has grown tremendously in the last 20 years you know uh, I don't know where Phoenix is sitting at uh, four million uh, five million I don't know the metro I have to look it up but you know Tucson you know blinks gonna be a million and a half they're growing so at the end of the day, all this in-migration of outsiders that have come in, listen, they might be an Ohio State fan, a Texas fan, in might be a, a suffering corncester fan. And, you know, and the reality is um, they're not so focused on those, those smaller things. There still will be a football or basketball rivalry between ASU and U of A, but we're just big enough we don't think about little stuff. And I think that's sort of where it's evolving. We're growing up as a state, I think.
2: I'm a suffering Wolverines fan, but yeah. my but my daughter went to U of A, so she's yeah, yeah. a very avid uh, U of A fan.
1: And I'm a lumberjack, so, you know, what oh, are you, you going to do with that? It's interesting. Thomas Barr with Local First spends time with us here at the studio. We do a series for their Arizona Good Business Summit, and Thomas always shares the story around, you know, Chicago and some of these other cities that when somebody is from a city like Chicago, or you know, New York City, or San Francisco, you know exactly what they're going to talk about because they just embody the culture and and everything. And Arizona, for a while, we struggled with that identity. and And I've owned the studio now for three years, and we focused on these kinds of conversations all, all across every vertical, every industry, including higher education, nonprofits, enterprise, all the way down to the small business that's just a mom and pop shop, Main Street, Arizona, and. I I'm, I'm consistently seeing what Joe and each of you have alluded to throughout our conversation, and that is we're innovative and we are a great community. And if we continue to have these conversations across the board and make sure we're lifting everybody up, uh, Arizona is going to continue to be a force to be reckoned with.
2: I can agree, more.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's see. Before we close out the segment, we have a, a few minutes longer. Joe, I wanted to ask you if you could shed some light on the mic- the macro-competitive issues that Tucson faces. Have we hit that?
0: Well, we sort of have in a roundabout way, Tucson, the, the competitive issues are, and I alluded to it, you know, again, labor drives all markets. When you look at the top 10 criteria that a company, and again, this isn't a company relocating. This is a company that decides whether they're going to expand here or in, a, in another branch or a small business society to invest their money. They're looking at, you know, 10 or 12 drivers in any market. I always get asked, what about incentives? What about all you know, tax policy? They're all important, education. But the number one driver, it drives all market decisions. It has since about 1990. It's even getting more, more so. So companies are asking the question, can I find the right talent base, the right labor to do business? With? And so we're always looking at those issues. Do we have, because a lot goes in, do we have the right healthcare care systems uh, that, that people either want to? Mm. Uh, relocate in here or they want to stay here? Um, do we have the right um, uh, school system? You know, is education strong enough that, that people feel comfortable living in Arizona with that? Do we have the right parks and recreational opportunities and the right tax base? So I think we're always looking at that. And we do that in partnership with all the folks on the, uh, uh, on the podcast today and Chris Camacho at GPEC and Sandra Watson. But then ultimately, the same issues, whether they're in Phoenix, Tucson, or where I came out of Denver. Everybody's looking at it. So I believe we're, we are pretty competitive. You know, I always get asked the issue of incentives. Well, incentives are important, absolutely, and we need to be competitive on those. And we need to have them at a local level, a statewide level. But at the end of the day, if you can't address that first issue, which is labor, mm-hmm. incentives won't matter. So we're always looking at this. Is this a place where talent wants to live? And the good news is, up until this point, yeah, the evidence shows they're moving in here. They're in my And we need to make sure that we keep our eye, and that's why I appreciate you, Steve, and what you do, and making sure that we have the right policies out there, the right education system, so that people continue to move in. Because if I can't go out and sell the labor force in Tucson, and I'm sure Chris and, and Sandra up in Phoenix, we don't get it done.
2: Yeah, just a plug for, in spite of the curtain coming down on the legislative session last year, uh, one incentive we were able to get over the um, over the goal line was uh, the research and development tax credit. We actually have the best R and D tax credit in the nation. It's twenty four percent on your first two point five million annually, and fifteen percent on anything that exceeds that. We extended that last session for ten years. So those, are, you know, that's just an example of the kind of incentives that you're trying to create to make this an attractive place to to grow. In this
3: case, your technology company.
1: Kevin, anything to add?
3: Well, workforce clearly is a huge driver. And I think from the city's perspective, education is the key to driving improvement across a whole range of indicators, whether we're talking about median income or whether we're talking about health outcomes. And so I'll just say, frankly, education is an area where the state of Arizona can and must do better. It's difficult from a city's position because we don't, have much of a role in the educational system. Um, But we're, you know, playing the cards that were dealt. And uh, we know that, you know, developing future talent and that future workforce uh, is going to be a key for us moving forward.
1: I'm fortunate not only to have Local First and Arizona uh, Tech- Technology Council's podcast, but we also have the SciTech Institute, which uh, Steve and the Arizona Tech Council, it's their foundation that focuses on, obviously, STEM education, uh, usually middle school and high school. And the work mm-hmm. that they're doing, Steve, I'm I'm blown away. Every time we have Kelly and, and Dr. Babindor uh, here in the studio with us, and they bring those young students who are just so interested in getting their hands on opportunities to meet with people in the field. It's fascinating. So when when Joe was talking, to, again, about bringing everybody into the same conversation from all different industries, I can't help but thank our educators, you know, from our our elementary schools all the way on up to high school and community colleges and and so on. Uh, that conversation, they need to be part of this so that we can keep that talent here as, as well as our staffing and placement agencies. Stephen, one of the introductions that I had mentioned before we came on air that I have is with a company called IT Avalon, and they're in California, and uh, they are a big uh, tech placement company, and and he's very interested in, in, you know, getting more involved in Arizona. So, uh, yeah, to Joe's point and everything we've shared there uh, here today, education and uh, just continue to have these conversations so that we all embrace and continue to fall in love with our state of Arizona as a whole will continue to bring us forward.
2: If I may just add, the chief science officer program, which you're referring to, is, uh, you know, what we're trying to do there is build a cohort of future STEM leaders uh, across Arizona. And as you know, that program has been so successful. We're now in 10 other states and five other countries. And, uh, you know, uh, know, we want to do it worldwide. But it all started here in Arizona and it's, uh, you know, we have about 300 CSOs across Arizona. And uh, Tucson, again, has um, a really stellar organization called the Southern Arizona Science and Engineering Fair, or SARSA. They uh, do the, what used to be called the Intel Science and Engineering Fair. And uh, they are a, a very good collaborative partner, the SciTech Institute and uh We've invested in them as well over the years and uh, they do a spectacular job.
1: Excellent. Well, we're going to close out the segment today, but before we do that, I want to, again, thank each of you for being here and and sharing your time. I know you're incredibly busy, but we always feel so honored to have a little slice of your time and wisdom. Could each of you please just share how folks can stay in touch with your organization Uh, and uh, if we can find you on LinkedIn, if that's a great place to connect with you professionally as well. Kevin, do you mind starting for us?
3: Very good. Well, you can certainly find me on LinkedIn, Kevin Burke, it's B-U-R-K-E. And please do check out the City of Tucson's Office of Economic Initiatives. We have our own website that is Connect Tucson, all one word, connecttucson.com.
1: Great. Thanks again, Kevin, for being here. Joe, how about you?
0: I don't know if I'm on LinkedIn. I'll have to check.
1: <laughs> that would be a no. That'd be a no. <laughs> no
0: I don't think so. Um, but you can uh, um, reach us through uh, our website, which is www.suncorridorinc.com.
1: Awesome.
2: Yeah. And uh, yes, I am on uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, uh, etc. Facebook, uh, Steven Zylstra on uh, LinkedIn and uh, aztechcouncil.org is how you get a hold of us.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you all again. You've been listening to Arizona Technology Council's podcast, the AZ Tech Cast. You've been listening to Arizona Tech Cast brought to you by Phoenix Business Radio. And today's AZ Tech Cast has been brought to us by Arizona Commerce Authority, the state's leading economic development organization with a streamlined mission to grow and strengthen Arizona's economy. So thank you again to Arizona Commerce Authority. And many thanks to JDH Insights, the 2020 Tech Advocate sponsor. Visit JDH hinsights.com to enhance leadership and improve team dynamics to take your business to the next level. If you're interested in being a podcast participant or a sponsor for the council's AZ TechCast, please contact marketing at aztechcouncil.org to lock in your opportunity to further position you as a tech expert. Tech expert not texting, tech expert, influencer, and innovator. Some media leans left, some lean right, and we lean business. Until next time, I'm Karen Nowicki. Thanks for listening.